If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity blah. The blubbity blah. Sending out good vibes. Blubbity blah. Good vibes. Blubbity blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Coming at you a little bit late. Uh, we'll be talking to Levi Barker this week about iboga and how you can use that to treat addiction and other things like that. Um, our lazy ramblings might be extra lazy this week. If you want to skip them, there's always a timestamp in those show notes. Uh, our intro might be a little shorter than normal. We do have some things to go through, but we have been traveling. We are jet lagged. We got back from another successful contact at the cabin event down in Utah. Everybody had a blast. It's always so beautiful to see these people coming together and having a time. Dave's really coming to his own, and Brandon is just knocking it out of the park these days. Of course, we got to meet Brandon Thomas down there and his lovely wife, and Kevin came and played some music for us, and Brad from Cosmographia. Shout out to all those presenters, and of course, everyone else that joined us down there. I mean, I can't name you all by name. Uh, of course, I will give a shout out to Bill and Megan and Oliver and Tori. Because they did help out with all that lovely food. Am I forgetting any of the staff, Graham? Uh, <laughs> you put me on the spot here. Eh? Better give a shout out to uh, Hank too. You know, I know Hank's listening. So how to shout out to Hank Loby. Uh Your folks are cooler than you think. They did a great job. <laughs> Speaking of that, I mean, I think we're going to do a family family or one next year, right? That's the plan. That's the plan. Is if we get enough interest. We're going to do a family-oriented CAC where you can bring your kids for free. And we're even looking at doing some stuff where we can maybe have some people that will do some kids' exercises around camp during the day so that the adults can maybe sneak off and go play on some side-by-sides or something like that or whatever adulting they might want to do without the kids. But we might just be able to offer that as a, you know, you don't have to worry about watching your kids all the time. There'll be a ton of parents there and a ton of other people that have your kids' best interests at heart, of course, we had a little dudes doing the ice baths this time and having crazy visions, too. I mean, it's wild. Yeah. Wild. yeah. We got Graham, I hate flying Dunlop over here. I know we should talk about, we'll talk about our trips a little bit, like the logistics of going back and forth, because um, we've been... Fucking nightmare. Yeah, we've been talking about that on and off a little bit about flying and border crossings and stuff like that, so we'll get into that. But I guess, I mean, if, if that next one in Utah is going to be in the summer... And we're still going to do August the stargazing thing. Yeah. What? August 1st to 5th. Um, It probably gets late. To, oh, no, it might not get light any later, get dark any later. It's probably already getting darker by that time. It's probably very similar to now, I bet. Probably very similar to 8 o'clock, my prediction would be. Uh, let me two, check. two months after June 21st compared to two months or a month and a half compared to the two months before or a month and a half before i bet it's very similar august 2 sunset 
Bryce Canyon. Because this time I think it got dark around, you know, 9. 8.36. Yeah, a little this later, so not too bad. Time, I want to say it was 8.16 or 8.13 or something like that. Yeah, pretty close. So it won't change that. It won't change the stargazing part. It'll just be a lot warmer, yeah. It'll be a lot warmer. And, uh, I mean, we had a blast up on Bryce. I got to say, the pizza oven going with that pizza oven, like, even though it wasn't, like, to do fresh pies up there for 50 people would be a little bit overwhelming. But uh, when you went and bought some nice wood-fired pies in the town, the closest town's an hour and a half away, but we were able to get some nice pizzas from there. Beauty pizzas. Go pick them up, and we had the the oven going up there. We could reheat them in the uh, pizza oven up on Bryce Canyon top. It wasn't uh, Rainbow Point this year because we couldn't get up there, Yovimpa, because of uh, there was too much snow. So we were stuck just about three miles down the road, but we still had a time with a nice 360 view. We had Kevin from Unpaved blasting the music. And we reheated like 40 pizzas. We got through almost all the pizzas. We got through 35 or 40 pizzas out there. And everyone was having a blast. The cloud, it was cloudy as fuck. It really seemed like we were not going to get the Bryce Canyon. Um, stargazing? Sky stargazing for the first time in three years. It seemed like we were going to get clouded out. But against all odds, it just, when we, as soon as it got dark and we were ready to start stargazing, I mean, it just cleared up just long enough for us to do what we had to do and then clouded back over. I mean, isn't that how it happened? It seems crazy, but it, it, it is because like it was really thick clouds too. That's why I was almost ready to give up. I'm like, those are thick clouds, but they seem to just dissipate as soon as it got dark. Shauna has not stopped. You know, she couldn't believe it. She, I remember she was like, cause I was all day. I was like, well, it still says it's going to be clear. I mean, Maybe it'll just clear up. But we were like driving on. She's like, it's a hundred percent not gonna clear up. Yeah, yeah. All the way. So, what was another highlight? I can believe it. Yeah. What was another highlight for you before we get into the travel part? Oh, the snow machining was the best. It was the highlight. I mean, you know, it's all amazing. Bryce, amazing. Zion's amazing. The people are amazing. People are amazing. But third time around, haven't been to Bryce, been to Zion. Uh, the people still always amazing every time, but I love the adventure stuff. Last year, the side by siding was probably my favorite. This year's a snow machine. I mean, we were up where we were up snow machine, and we were on like some old. We found some old highways where the street signs there was just like the top like twelve inches of them sticking out of the snow. When trees were buried, some spots twenty feet of snow. I mean, it was a real blast. And then, of course, Sean and I went down a little early. And I went to the Grand Canyon, the West Rim. Check that out. That was pretty cool. Went to the Hoover Dam and checked that out. So it was a good trip. Got to see a lot of stuff I haven't seen before. But the snow machine was still blast. The snow machine and the people. The people are always fantastic. It was crazy to see 28 feet of snow, too. I mean, I've never seen so much snow in my life. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. It's fucking wild. And for April, too, you know. And half melted. What about you? Uh, well, I like the, actually, I like the breath work. Brandon kind of added the dimension to his breath work. And then, of course, Kevin was there with his his DJ equipment. So one night the music was blaring and Brandon was in there, too, um, hooting and hollering into the machine. So I, I just feel like that was a new a new sort of experience from Brandon. Brandon kind of like changed, changed it up a little bit. His breath work. So that was good. 
And the people, as usual. And the food. Also, the food is amazing. Yes, the, the chili food was good. The chili was great. If I had to pick a favorite meal, be the chili. Even oh, though yeah. I, I love the chili. It was amazing. I was just fucking insane. I'm not really a chili guy either, but to like it that much, I was like, wow, this is really good. The non-highlight was getting uh, drunk and being so hungover that I missed Zion. You pay yeah, for the party. Someone just sent a video of me dancing like a fool. Uh, I mean, we had a time. We had a time while we were having a time, but I sure paid for that time the next day. I'm getting too old for that stuff. Yeah. Just tie one on one night and just lay it out until like I didn't get out of bed till 5 p.m. the next day. <laughs> I think it's also because I didn't really eat on snow machine day. I was and like, and the snow machining itself must have hurt yeah. your body. I mean, your body must have been going, what the hell did you just do to me? You snow machined all day, then got hammered. I mean. <laughs> it's like, fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> It was good, though. Made it back in one piece. Got searched at the border and accused of being a gun runner. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Oh, my God. So what? what is going on here? So they have me. They pull, I was like, I kept telling Sean they are going to pull me aside. Okay, so this, because it's all automated now, right? When I went through the customs, like, I just, like, scan your passport. You get a little printout. Yeah. You hand it to a dude, and you, you, you get to go through, grab I your bag, and then. Guys up at the front to look for you already. It's what? Picked, it's picked you already. When? When? What do you mean? Well, you know when you go to that white kiosk, they're picking yeah. you out then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's because you're scanning your passport. You, they're not picking you out before you scan no, your passport. I don't think though. so. It's when I scan my passport, it's flagging out. And he, what and number did he give sure. you on the printout? I know for sure because when they pulled me aside and Sean was like, oh, we got through. And I'm like, no, no, that's not getting through. I was like, you're not through until you got your bags and your pass out. Those are the guys that get you. And sure enough, got the bags, tried to go out, passing the thing, and he right away points down the hallway. Do you remember what your number was on the printout? I don't remember. And I was like, I knew it, you motherfucker. And he's like laughing. And I was like, hey, it's man. He's like, hey, man, that's how it goes sometimes. You so Really? Just, you said that? Yeah. So Because I'm livid, dude. I knew this was going to happen from the whole last time, right? This is three times and run on the way to the States, they searched me on the way back from the States. And now on the way back from the States again. So last time they ripped my truck apart for two hours. I was late. I had to make different arrangements. I had to get you to run and pick up the kids from school. Yeah. Because I'm stuck at the border for two and a half hours longer than scheduled. And then, of course, this time I had Miles picking them up from school. And I'm stuck at the airport for another two hours just sitting in a room while they're doing their bullshit. Well, this Elmer Fudd looking motherfucker. <laughs> Starts looking, you know, X-ray my things, asking me about guns. And I was like, do you fucking idiots think I'm dumb enough to try and bring guns into the country? And he's like, well, on March 11th, you talked about going down to the States to buy a gun. I was like, yeah. And what did I do? I asked you fucking guys what the process was of going down to the States and buying a gun. Does that sound like something that a fucking gun smuggler would do? Well, this is the problem. So you go through the channels to try and do it properly. And no wonder why people start don't want to do that, right? They just give you a fucking hassle. And now you're now you're marked because you asked a fucking question. Now I'm marked, yeah. So this guy went through all our shit. And uh, I mean, I'll have to say, off Daggle. I was just calling him Daggle. I started by calling him Officer Daggle, but at the end I was just calling him Daggle with a little bit of faggle mixed in here and there for effect. 
I have to say, Daggle, if you're listening, you piece of shit. You have remarkable patience. Why? What was he? Well, I, you know how I get with these but, people. So what was he looking for? Once he found out there's no guns, I mean, don't they start he's, stop looking? He's, at- he's still looking. So he x-rays the luggage. And then he's like, goes to go start unpacking it all. So I'm filming him. I'm filming the whole thing. <laughs> and like calling him names that I won't repeat here because it's weird as hate speech. Did you play like, your Indian card? Did you show him your Indian card? I got into the colony. I was like, you're the third time and you're searching the India. Search all the fucking Indians. I'm the only one you pull off the plane. And uh, it's not because of that. It's because of the gun thing. And of course, he's just like, you know, this chubby, dopey looking piece of shit, too. I mean, he looks like Elmer Fudd. So, but anyway, you know how I get. So he's there going through my stuff, going through Shauna's underwear and shit. And it's just like infuriating. You know, it really is. So I gave it to him and I was filming him. So he didn't like that. So he's like, we could make this go faster. You know, Mr. Grimes. I was like, I got all the time in the world, motherfucker. And his little partner over there, because, you know, there's like eight border, ten border guards all back there at different stations doing fuck all. I mean, this is our tax dollars at work. Eight, twelve guys back there just fucking laughing, joking. By this point, they're all laughing at Daggle because I'm guessing not a lot of people give these customs guys a hard time. You know what I mean? Most of the guys that are in there are like, oh, fuck. They don't want to get in trouble. Either they are doing something wrong. Oh, yeah, it can be totally intimidating. It feels a like a cop thing, right? Or they're intimidated. Yeah. But it's not even a cop thing. It's like a security guard. That's how I view it. It's like a fucking mall cop. So you could see the one guy, especially the guy that's like sharing the booth with them. Because, you know, there's like two stations per booth. And the one guy's in the other booth and he's just sitting like this. like (laughs) Just sort of half covered his face sort of with with a grid on. Well, I'm calling his partner a fucking, I won't repeat it here, but, you know, a, a bunch of names. Because I was losing my cool. I'd been traveling all day and I just knew it. I'd been like it picturing my entire trip i knew i was having troubles on the way back in the country well, maybe you manifested it i'm I sick mean, and fucking tired of it no well he's told me flat out, i'm on the list he told you you're on the list I'm on the because list. you asked a question about how to bring guns into the country yeah he's like expect fucking to get hassled every time you come back what a joke i mean this i'm is, happy this is the to talk to the fucking lawyers and being like what the fuck can they do this can they search me every time i come into the country is this not some sort of weird human rights violation I've got extensive because you enough asked how to legally yeah. bring a button. And not only that, not only that, I have extensive enough fucking background checks done on me that I'm allowed to own handguns in one of the most restrictive environments, right? I own handguns in fucking Canada. The hoops that I had to jump through and the background checks that I had to have done to do that are bigger than the Nexus checks. That's why I was telling Sean we might as well get Nexus because I already know I'll pass the background check. They run a background check on me every fucking morning. Bing, Actually, bing, might as well. Maybe you bing. should go to Nexus then. I mean, that might even gonna, get you through. I'm going to get back. I'm going to. I'm just going to get it because I don't think it's the fee that's much. It's the background check, and I've got that. That the fucking police in Canada run a background check on me every day to make sure that I haven't got any crazy charges, so they can come and take my handguns away. So that was my experience, and that I have the video. I'm not going to post it. I mean. I kind of feel bad for calling Daggle all the names today, but uh, fuck him. I don't know. Maybe it, they need to. Remarkable. At the very end, he was just like, it's been a pleasure, Mr. Grimes. It, you know what? And I mean, maybe it's good because 
at some point, these guys might have to push back against their superiors well, or against the exactly system. That's what my point is, because it's, it's not that. And he's like, dude, I'm just doing my job. And I was like, yeah, but I don't get to talk to your fucking boss. So maybe when you finally, when enough of you guys are like, hey, man, I'm sick of dealing with fucking Darren. He never has guns. And he calls me a fucking names all for fucking 10 minutes while I go through his shit. I don't want to do it anymore. Then maybe their boss will be like, hey, man, probably not. I mean, they're probably just doing it to fuck with me at this point. I've been, I'm it's being just honestly, persecuted. I'm being politically persecuted. Well, it's, it's, and it's, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's just really indicative of by why people don't trust the government, right? So now you, this is why people go underground and they go, this is why they go outside the system because of you idiots like that that just flag somebody for asking a question about how to legally do something. It's fucking whack. So, wow. So do you want to hear my incompetence? Because yeah. what, what sticks to me in my head is the way you, you call the airport system, the airport. Uh, there's another word I could probably use the, what would you call it? The whole airport it's a complex system, complex system, like, or it's almost like a it's one of the most complex systems that we've like got an organism. Going. It's almost it's an one organism. One of the most complex fucking systems that we've got going. And it's falling and apart. I mean, my chain is like linked to it in some ways, but. I feel like we have to be careful every time you're flying somewhere to leave an extra time because there's so many delays and stuff. So oh, yeah, dude, if I would have left only an hour and a half, I would have been 90 minutes before the flight home. We would have been fucked because we sat in line in the Vegas airport for an hour and a half to get through. security. Oh, oh right. Well, that was the like other issue. Four people working back there. The security like problem. There was, there was a major glitch in the security thing. It was pushing all the bags for the ins the extra inspection when I went through security in Vegas. And there's a whole bunch of people waiting for their bags to be checked for 20 minutes, half hour even. They had to go fix it and get everybody put everybody's bags through a different one. Glitches in that. Yeah, glitches everywhere. So I'm on the... I'm getting ready to go direct from Calgary to Vegas and um, it's an hour late. So I'm like, Oh boy. So, cause I'm supposed to grab the van and pick everybody up. Like, so I'm thinking, okay. And bills was an hour late. So I'm like, that's weird. We're both an hour late. So we get on the plane and they say, well, the Vegas runway is under construction. So there's ma major delays today. So that went on for a couple hours. So we're sitting on the plane for a couple hours. And then they said, okay, Vegas has given us approval to go. We're going to take off. And then we're lit. They're literally going through the takeout, you know, they go through all the takeout stuff, you know? Um, and then they stop and say, well, our crew can't make it to Vegas and back because they're going to be over their time limit of 13 hours or whatever. I'm like, you, you guys didn't realize this like 20 minutes ago or a half hour ago. You're just realizing it now when we're right about to leave, somebody just pipes up and says, Hey, wait, 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 <laughs> I'm going to be overtime. It was, it was one fucking guy. I One loser it. guy that can't make the flight. I hate to be so plans, negative on this bro. intro, but I got plans. So oh, he's so, Atlas Shrugged World. I'm telling you, there's definitely uh, more evidence for this after the trip. Oh yeah. So then, so then he, um, so they say, okay, we're going to switch out the crew. So we waited about an hour for another crew. They said it was only going to be a half hour. Comes out another crew. Okay. The crew's there. We're going to get going. Everybody's cheering. Ah, oh, finally, you know, we've been sitting there for three hours. So it's four hours late now. They get on the, the guy gets on the phone. I can't upload the flight plan. There's like something wrong with the system. The flight plan won't upload. So I got to get it emailed to me. 
or a printout so we can up so we can manually enter it into the system. Everybody's like, what the fuck? Like they don't even I think in the US they just lie about these things. But Canada's just telling the truth, like, oh, we can't upload the flight plan. Like, don't tell people that. No, I mean, I'm glad they did, but so then that went on for like another 45 minutes or an hour. So we were sitting there on the plane for I was like four hours late, five hours late. And then you still have a four-hour drive up the mountain. Yeah. After that whole rental car fiasco, I almost got in a fight with a cabbie as soon as we got there. Because we got there, and there's a giant line for the fucking shuttle. A huge line. So I'm like, well, fuck it. We'll just take a cab. For which shuttle? The shuttle up at the Vegas airport, the shuttle to the rent-a-car place. Oh. There's a huge line, like back through all the queues and then out a bit. And we like we waited in line once, and then it's like, we're not going to get on. So. Like, fuck it, we'll go get a cab. So we go to cab, and he already starts, like, freaking out because I'm only going to the rental car place. <laughs> like, fucking bitching. Like, freaking out in his little African language. And uh, so I'm, he, like, whatever. He puts it at 20 bucks. So I'm like, whatever, I'll pay the 20 bucks when we get there. And And then he's like, well, it's cash only. When we get there, after we get there, and we he like draws the other, I'm like, I don't have any fucking cash, man. I just got here off the plane. I don't have any American cash. I have a credit card. <clears throat> starts freaking out again. Then he starts bipping at Shauna. So then, you know, we start getting in each other's face, and then he ends up making his machine work. And I ended up, you know, it fizzled out. But when he went running in his glove box, I did think he was grabbing a gun. <laughs> I was going to jump on his back. So. I mean, I hate that fucking city. I just like to get out of it as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. It's an hour and a half closer than Salt Lake, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's a lot to drive. Plus that, I mean, that hour you gain on the way back that last morning, it really is priceless. Yeah. On a three and a half hour commute like that. So, yeah, contact at thecabin.com if you guys want to get in on the festivities. We've got another trip coming up this year. We've got World Cup, we got three. We've got the Randall Carlson stuff. We've got the Montana Randall Carlson stuff. And then we've got the Canada one. That is the Natural Hot Springs in out in BC. Natural Hot Springs beside the river. We'll be in the river for the cold plunge. <clears throat> then into the Hot Springs. A few spots left for that. Contact at thecabin.com if you guys want to get in on that. Of course, keep an eye on that because those Eclipse tickets are going to be going on sale right away. Probably within the next 30 days, we will have those Eclipse tickets on sale for our Total Eclipse Festival down in Hill Country, Texas. Uh, support the show, guys. America.ca slash support. We can't do this. But you're trying to build this community of things and people and everything else we're trying to do over here. Uh, we need your support, whether it's energetic or cash or treasure or whatever the no agenda guys say. It's a value. Time, talent, or treasure. Yeah, we put in a lot of effort into all this stuff we try and manifest in the world. If you could help us manifest uh, something to pay the bills with, that'd be fantastic. Head over to grimerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for monthly or make a one-time donation. Whatever floats your boat. But trust us, it will help float our boat over here. And we would be immensely grateful. Uh, We can't do without you guys. We really can't. And times are tighter than ever. grimerica.ca slash support. Sign up today. What else you got? Well, I got a synchro if you want from Yeah, let's do a synchro and then we'll we'll uh we'll get out of here. Okay. And I got a quote too if you want. 
Oh, yeah, we'll do that too. Okay, let's see. We'll start with, we'll do this one. I'm a rambling grand with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. Actually, this one is from Tori. He was telling me, we were up at uh, Bryce Canyon looking out, and he was telling me about his dog synchronicities. He had a bunch of these dog synchronicities. And it's just great. It's crazy. So I, I can't remember. The, the second one was a little bit more complex, so I'm not going to try and read, remember both of them. But the first one, and I'll probably get this somewhat wrong, but friends of his had these dogs, and he was going to take one of the dogs off him, right? But the dog didn't really want to come with him. It kept sort of wanting to go back to his friend's place. And it didn't have a name, so he was going to name the dog after himself, Tori. And I think the friends knew this, and I don't think they thought it was a good idea or something like that. But the dog ran away, and he ended up in a shelter. The dog was found on the shelter website, or some, somehow his friends found the dog on the shelter. And they knew the dog's the dog's name was Tori, was supposed to be. But he didn't have any idea on the dog at all. And the people in the shelter coincidentally named the dog Tori. What? Yeah. Huh. They didn't even know who this dog was or where it was from, but he the dog ended up in the shelter named Tori. And that was the name that he was gonna get by his owner, but it ran away. And his friends took the dog because that's where the dog wanted to be anyways. All right, imagine, Tori. Yeah. Imagine that. 7.7. 7.7. You beat Graham right out of the gate. And here's one that I can read to you. It's from Two French. I shouldn't have said the oh, last recent. It's very recent. Why? Well, I was well, I was. She was in touch years and years ago about coming to a trip. So I was wondering if she was. Oh, wow. That's weird. Really? Eh? So, so wanted to share this with you. Hey guys was listening to an NDE account and was thinking about telepathic ability. I remembered a time in 2008 before I ever heard of such a thing when I was at a massage therapist conference and I was in charge of the entertainment. I decided to bring belly dancing girls for the dinner banquet show. I needed a way for the ladies to play their CD and asked the big name presenter who had control of the audiovisual setup if I could use his system in the hotel just to play a few tracks over the speakers. He refused me. I had to scramble to find a portable CD player just to give the dancers something to move to, even though so many in the ballroom couldn't really hear the music. The dancing girls knew who the VP was and gave him special attention during the dances. He loved it. I was so angry at the big name presenter that I thought, see, it could have been so much better for everyone, but no, you had to be such a smuck. The next morning, I was still angry at him, and for his whole three-hour presentation, none of his audio or video equipment worked. I was smug. So here I am, all these years later in 2023, and out of the blue, I get an email from the massage therapist organization asking me if I knew anyone who could run video for this same big-name presenter. Ha, ha, ha. No, I don't know anyone. 
but really, what are the odds that a memory came to me and not more than an hour later, I got an email pertaining to the same scenario? Love you guys. To the masseuse. See, I don't have to rate that one. Well, that I'll give that one like an eight, eight, eight point five on the ripple stick scale. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I said to her. I said, maybe you were precogging the emotional reaction that you were about to feel. Do I still have the ripple stick jingle? It's been a long time. But that's still a synchronicity though, right? It's just a sub subtype. Is it a subtype of synchro? Could be. Well, I think it's still a synchro because people don't really know if it's a ripple stick or not. That's just a theory. It's just an ex a partial but explanation. But it has to be. No. Doesn't it? No. But it is a ripple stick. I mean, what if she manifested it? You know? What if she was thinking about it so much that that person that emailed them just had, like... Ripple before the stick, now yeah. Ripple before the stick. Ripple that's stick. A good, that's a good rating, though. That is, yeah. All right, what else you got? Uh, I think I got a quote, or do I have a quote? Yeah, I think I got a quote for you. Hope the quote doesn't get us in trouble. It's the profound quote of Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Profound quote of the week. So, this is a okay. I won't. I won't tell you yet. I'll give you hints if you want them. And to confront the possibility of something so evil where people willingly go along, like government officials, who really, who really is the puppet master, I have no idea. Or is this just a swarm emergent phenomena? I just don't have enough data to disambiguate that. But I do know that this reflexive reaction of people like yourself, in which it's hard for you to even grapple with the possibility of such darkness as a globally coordinated propaganda campaign. As one example, I just learned from my trip to Austria that I came back from yesterday that massive amounts of capital are being deployed to essentially buy off artist influencers across the world in a harmonized, simultaneous fashion. Dude, that must be somewhat recent. Very recent. Hmm. Contemporary, contemporary scientist, I guess. Scientist, yeah. Like, uh, hmm. became somewhat famous during the last three years. Like Huberman, or Peter. No, no, no. It directly related to COVID. Oh, uh, oh, that's gonna be the Malone. No, <laughs> good, nice, good yeah. one. Yeah. Well, you had to like. Uh, Couple good hints, so yeah, yeah, but still, that's pretty good, though. It could have been a plethora of scientists coming to the front, plethora, this whole thing. Plethora. Before, before we forget, though, we should talk. I don't know if we talked about it on the last intro, but the YouTube channel, our adult brain YouTube channel, has some free audiobooks, including Darren's more recent audio production called oh, Both of them are on there now, in their own words, yeah, and your other one too, but. 
in their own words is pretty special because it's also got narration from, oh yeah, I think we did mention it. Um, narration from Kyle Delisle and Marissa LeBlanc as the voices of the indigenous peoples. Oh yeah, and a bunch of slides too. It's worth watching the YouTube video. Yeah. The Adult Brain YouTube channel. People go subscribe. We've got to get to a thousand subscribers. We're almost at the watch hours limit to monetize that. Maybe start making some money off those audiobooks. But we do need to get to one thousand subscribers. And I know that there's multiple. Oh, you gotta get thousands. to both those both those things? Yeah, both. Oh. I know that there's multiple thousands of you motherfuckers listening right now. So if a thousand of you could just go subscribe for that. Just even seven hundred is all we need. Uh even if you don't plan to listen, I mean, what do you care? Just go subscribe. You're on YouTube anyway. You know you are. Animal Brain Publishing, it'll pop right up. I think that's about it. We'll leave you guys jumping. Do you have a bio for Levi? Yep, yep. So he Levi is a uh, Iboga provider at the Iboga Wellness Center in Costa Rica. Over the last eight plus years, this center has helped people move past depression, PTSD, anxiety, self-limiting belief systems, substance, and non-substance addictions. Iboga is sometimes called the world's strongest psychedelic medicine. The root of the plants and see- sends seekers into a deep introspection on their life and the guidance on the path forward and what shifts needs and what shifts need to take place. Iboga has gained a reputation over the last 10 years as being a powerful life advancement tool. There you go. There you have it, guys. Enjoy the chat. Levi Barker. Levi Barker, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this will be fun. We're going to talk about Iboga and the retreats you have in Costa Rica. I guess we can maybe start with a little bit about, about, about your background, about you, and maybe how you got to that point. Yeah, sure. So I, I grew up in uh, the Central Valley of California, kind of in the agricultural heartland and i was you know kind of like the start of the opiate uh, epidemic and had a bad snowboarding accident um broke my wrist had to get surgery and got prescribed my my first opiates now i wow. should say my my uh my grandpa from a young age was a was a heroin addict pretty much as his whole life. So there was definitely some things in there before that, you know, um, cer- certainly helped, but, you know, I, I went for it for about, about 10 years, eventually got beat up pretty, pretty well. Um, you know, it's tough to, tough to keep life together as a young junkie. Um, but eventually a really good friend of mine recommended, uh, Iboga and he actually sent me some, 
And at the time I was coming down, I'd been here in Central America for about 15 years. And at the time I was living in Nicaragua. And, um, you know, I did what everybody says not to do, basically. <laughs> and, and I did a, did a home uh, detox. Um, and, uh, yeah, didn't really know much about it. The only thing I knew is it was supposed to take away the, the physical symptoms of, of the withdrawal. And it certainly, it certainly did. And, you know, that was kind of the first step on my, um, you know, I'd always been interested in, in the mind and psychology and the way, you know, our thoughts, you know, um, how, how they direct, you know, our environment and the actions we take. But I think that you was, muted yourself. You might have muted. Can you take a look? We just lost you there for a sec. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't hear you. I can hear you still. Um, oh, so, good. So, um. Did this start so so it started through prescription opiates, I guess, right? Yep. Does that is that is is that because I mean I hear that, but I'm never sure, you know, how prevalent that is, or if it's just people, you know, exaggerating that, or if it happens happens more more often than not through through uh, prescribed opiates. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty pretty common, pretty pretty common, and you know, especially. When, you know, the um, like Purdue Pharma got, uh, you know, started having lawsuits on that and that a lot of the doctors stopped prescribing opiates to people. And um, and then, yeah, made a lot of people go look, you know, outside of the, the health system for for their opiates. And yeah, no, it, it happens. It's pretty common, I think. Yeah, I remember uh, like about 15 15 years ago, I guess now, or I just passed my 15 year mark actually in sobriety uh, a couple of days ago, okay. five, four, four or five days ago. Um, yeah, I haven't talked about it on the show yet, but I remember, you know, my, my ex-girlfriend's brother was addicted to uh, Oxycodone or however you pronounce that. And I mean, they, they were calling it hillbilly heroin back then. Like that was kind of, that was the thing that they looked for. Back then, it was pretty serious, yeah. and that was 15, 20 years ago. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, iboga is the the only thing really known to man to you know alleviate the physical withdrawal symptoms of opiates, and also you know to a degree like getting somebody's uh, mind worked out. And yeah, that was the the start of my journey. And then like um, Anthony, who you've had on. Um, we both trained under this Bwiti shaman that came to the West about, uh, 15 years ago or so. And he started the first kind of traditional based spiritual retreat for Iboga because prior to that was all just Ibogaine clinics and, you know, some people using it for psycho-spiritual purposes, but kind of just, um, developing the system that they would use. And so this guy came from, you know, just a tradition that comes from millennia and he was the first one that could speak English and actually, you know, share about Iboga, the wisdom of Iboga, how to work with it. And so um, there was kind of a core group of us that started training under this guy and uh, eventually graduated. And that's why, yeah, uh, Anthony and ourselves are here in, in Costa Rica and our, our Bwiti shamans back in, uh, back in Gabon now, um, working being a shaman so and you got in right at the beginning then i guess of this guy coming out and sharing his wisdom it seems 
Pretty, yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty early, you know, and, and Iboga's certainly grown over the last, uh, you know, six, five, six years. Like, word is just now getting out. Like, I'm talking, you know, using it to allevi- alleviate opiate withdrawal, but it's so much more than that. And um, so now, you know, word is finally getting out that, you know, it works just as well for depression, anxiety, PTSD, you know, abusive parents, you know, whatever, whatever happens in our life. And, you know, a lot of people just go through life and don't have the opportunity to release things like Iboga can help a person do. And so it really gets carried around for a long time. And so a lot of people come just to kind of shed the past from them and, and start start new. And it absolutely does that. You know, once you get through something like this, you know, in the proper setting and dosing and, you know, everything's good that way. Um, yeah, it really is like a fresh start in life. And um, yeah, the, the boga stays in your system and very just gently guides your thoughts or if the past comes up or you start getting too far into the future and just kind of checks you, like makes you take a step back before you're going to build it into something bigger and allow it to start affecting your emotions. And so, yeah, it's really, really beautiful in that way. And um, so, yeah, yeah, where it's definitely getting out. Which is so such an important stat. part. I Go have ahead, here. I, I want you guys to both take a guess at what percentage of people queried in recovery got this through prescriptions. Okay. Now it's an uh, older stat. I want to say, let me double, double check yeah, the year. Just, what year? Yeah, so 2017, year, something like 2014. Ooh. So almost and, 10 years ago. Respondent twenty fourteen survey of people in treatment for opioid addiction. Thirty percent. Yep, I would say something like that. Like, um, yeah, maybe a bit higher. Forty five. Ninety four percent of respondents. Twenty fourteen survey of people in treatment for opioid addiction said they chose to use heroin because prescription opioids were far more expensive. No way. Oh my God. No, I mean that, you know, that's, we could be extrapolating from that, but this is from the American society of addiction to medicine, opioid addiction, 2016 facts and figures. So, I mean, we could be extrapolating from that. Maybe they just like got hooked on heroin and they're just saying we're using heroin because prescription stuff is cheaper. But I read that as they got there. So on top, it says right above that stat, it says, Four in five new heroin users started out misusing prescription painkillers. Wow. Yeah. Makes yeah. makes sense. So it's somewhere between 80 and 95%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when Oxycontin came out, and, you know, the drug salesmen are visiting the doctor's office, you know, all of them were trained to say it's not, not addictive at the beginning as well. And so, you know, the doctors went with that and then, yeah, found out very different. And the frustrating part is I can't even get low dose naltrexone for my girlfriend's chronic pain issues. They won't even prescribe that to her. So now we're at the other, now we're at the pendulum swinging the farther way where we in, where we are in Canada, at least, you know, now you can't even get prescribed things that you really want. <laughs> yeah. That's going to get way worse when they start running out of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Has she been able to try that low dose naltrexone before? No. no. Yeah. I've heard. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of positive things uh, about it in the small dose. 
Yeah. So what, how long have you been doing this then? So, you know, I met this Bwiti shaman um, going on like 14 years ago. And so spent quite a few years. I was living in Nicaragua, um, had a, a internet marketing business at the time and was doing that and would go back and forth between there and Costa Rica and, and train. So I had, I had about a good five, six years of training with this guy um, and then eventually graduated. So I've been, um, you know, serving the medicine for about seven, eight years. And the, the, where I'm at now, Iboga Wellness was uh, started by my partner, Gary Cook, who's in his seventies now back in, back in the States, but he started it and really um, like our, our Bwiti shaman ended up going back to Costa Rica. And so Iboga Wellness was kind of the only place that you could go for any sort of traditional psycho-spiritual work with Iboga. And, um, and so he really kept it going for a time period. Like it was a definite money loser for quite a few years, but he kept it going. So people would have a spot to come and heal and just move forward in life. And so, and then, you know, about five years ago, it finally, you know, started supporting itself and, um, you know, able to, able to keep, keep everybody happy as far as staff and things like that go. And so, um, yeah, and just within the last two, three years, Iboga has gotten exponentially more popular. And most of that is due to just people going back home, whether it's friends or family and yeah, just seeing deep positive shifts in, in people. And so, yeah, I've been working, you know, I first started about 14 years ago and over the last eight years been here at Iboga Wellness. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So, what, yeah. Uh, what's the experience like? What's it like? What's it? What's it? I mean, I'm pretty, I've done quite a few psychedelics. A lot of people in our audience maybe haven't done. I talk to people all the time that are still nervous about the first time. So can you sort of take, I mean, from what I've heard, it's like sort of a severe introspection of all the decisions up until now that have made you who you are, but I'm, I, I've never tried it. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that can certainly happen. It's definitely like a really deep look at oneself and, you know, why we do the things we do. You know, a lot of people, you know, bad habits or ways of feeling, you know, eventually, you know, realize this maybe happened when they were a kid or an adult or whenever it happened, but realize this one incident and just, you know, shifted something in them as far as a belief or as far as, um, you know, taking in the experience as some way to react to things or, or, or living habits. And so, yep, yeah, it's really deep look at yourself. It's very, um, it's a very deep physical cleanse. So I think a lot of people um, kind of take, take that for granted. So, I mean, it really, really cleans the body and afterwards, you know, if you're over 30 years old or this time I have also lost him. Okay. So me too. Yeah. So I think it's him. He looks frozen there. He looks kind of frozen. I think Jason just did a bunch of it. Looks like he's yeah, I wanted to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry, Levi, you're, you're back. I'm back. Yeah, sorry that that was me. I think. Yeah, um, I think I think you um, I think you were meant. To, where were you at? Uh, 
explaining the experience. Yep. Yep. So yeah, deep physical experience. Um, you know, a lot of people don't come to Iboga f- specifically for physical issues, but they bring them, bring them, you know, to the retreat. And um, yeah, it's really good for just a lot of inflammation. You know, people that have car accidents or arthritis or tendon and joint problems, um, you know, those you know, 90% of cases, a lot of that pain is going to be alleviated, maybe not completely, but it's going to be toned down quite a bit. And so, um, yeah, very deep physical cleanse, you know, that all the stuff that, you know, nobody likes can certainly happen, you know, nausea, um, it can be some uh, purging, orally vomiting, people seem to uh, pee a lot on it, sweating, um, and you know, that may not happen all night, but it'll happen for, for a period. And so kind of how we look at it in the Bwiti is, you know, the medicine goes in and cleanses a person uh, physically first, and then it can start going into the mind and the emotions. And so it can really put your, your brain just on overdrive, um, where, you know, th- thoughts are just firing faster than you can keep up with. And they're all over the place and, you know, and so that's, that's pretty typical. And when that happens, that's Iboga cleaning the mind. So it's very much cleaning the brain, but also cleaning the mind mentally. And um, yeah, just creating, creating space inside. And so, you know, we start at the nighttime, um, we start taking the Iboga and eventually somebody, you know, the people feel like they, they need to lay down. So at some point they raise their hand, go lay down. And so during this night part of it, Iboga is essentially going in and like uh, scraping things up, bringing it up to the surface. So then the following day, as it slows down, then the release point, the release part happens, which is typically the, the, the more difficult part for people is this release part because, you know, just very deep, heavy emotions can come up. Like, you know, if there's any way that we, we hurt ourselves, whether, you know, substances or in the mind, um, it just really shows that to us and what we're doing with doing to ourselves. And that can very much uh, be, be difficult to, and, and it's just, you know, in a normal state, we can think about that and it can definitely hit us. But during Iboga, it's just like times times 10, how, how strong that can come up. And so there's, um, you know, several hours of just going through this process, just being shown your life, um, you know, our, our actions, the things we do. And so typically people don't really feel good until they finally sleep after the experience. So, you know, most people, if, you know, we, we chat with them the day after if they need any support or whatever, but probably about 80% of them when they're in that spot would say, because we do two ceremonies here, probably 80% of them would be like, I'm, I can't do the second one. Like it's. Wow. You know, 80%. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. It's just really, really difficult for a lot of people. It's the. Uh, one of the more difficult things they'll do in their life. For some people, it's the most difficult thing they'll do in their life. And part of that is Iboga slows down time. So when you're going through this process the following day, you know, if you're going through it all day for, you know, 12 hours, say, um, yeah, it feels like 48, like time just really slows down because your, your senses are very heightened. 
And when the senses are heightened, um, you know, we take in each moment on a deeper level. And so, but eventually they sleep and recover physically, um, you know, getting them to drink coconut water, water and um, get, eat something. And eventually they sleep, uh, wake up and just feel really balanced, clear in their mind, you know, thinking about past experiences that have hurt them, whatever they may be. They can, you know, they can come up in the mind, but they don't hit them in the same way. It doesn't give them the same reaction inside. And so that's the process of, you know, these experiences no longer, you know, following us around and and playing a part in in how we live and and think from here. And so, um, yeah, once they get to that point, then they're like, yeah, you know, if I can get that that much gains out of one experience, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice to go, go through the next one and really complete, complete the work. And, um, and yeah, but it's, yeah, it's very, it's amazing to see, like I'm here to guide people and, and, you know, set everything up for them. But Iboga is the one that does it, you know, that that's the one we all, look to for the wisdom or the healing that we need. And so, yeah, it's just about caring for people in the right way and having the certain aspects needed um, to, you know, have the elements, the needed elements of the Bwiti in and um, yeah, just make it very productive and, and consistent. And Iboga is very consistent. There's been very few people that have come through over the last eight years that, that were like, ah, I don't know, you know, what happened or, you know, um, I'm not sure if it, if it helped me, like it, it, it does the job. It gets somebody to where they need to be to go on to this, the next stage in their life. And so a lot of that is going to be teachings like here, here's the things I need to stop doing, or here's the things I need to start doing in life. Um, you know, some of these things are going to require practice. And so there's a period of practice afterwards uh, but thankfully, you know, the Boga experience doesn't end here. You know, people go home or move on in life. And, the, and there's definitely a period of time where there's just really strong guidance inside for people to really make shifts in their life. So yeah, it's really, really beautiful. So, so that's really interesting. So what you're saying then is that after the first night, about 80% of the people say they probably won't do it the second time. But then after the next day or during the next day they have changed their mind and want to do it yep yep once they finally get some that sleep yep and feel the benefits of it yeah yeah and then nearly everybody ends up doing yeah that's that's fascinating Hmm. so what's the difference between that experience that you just described and like uh the ayahuasca you know the traditional ayahuasca one yeah so i i really love ayahuasca as well um there is a lot of overlap you know, um, during, say, an ayahuasca ceremony, you know, one thing that is is a lot more open is, say, you're in, in a room or a temple with people that are going through this experience, like the energy of all the people, like, really travels around a lot more in, be, in between the group, um, whereas Iboga, it's very much you're more in your own space and your own cocoon for, you know, um, during that time, so not as much energy is floating around. Um, typically, ayahuasca is, is can be more visual than iboga. Like iboga can be very visual for some people. For other people, they may not have visions at all. Um, you know, I'd say really, you know, 
I, ayahuasca probably gives you like a bigger show in that way, whereas Iboga is really more concerned with the healing and like how we live our life and to teach us about ourselves. And But there's definitely a lot of overlap. I've gotten a lot out of ayahuasca as well, um, but it does seem to hit in a different place. It teaches in a different way, and it seems to be able to, di- you know, really dig the deep, deep things out of us that we just can't, you know, some people just can't shake. And, um, yeah, you know, but like you said, it, 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 in general, Iboga is a more inward journey of looking at yourself, whereas I, ayahuasca, you can very much go out and travel and, and, you know, see what's happening and see the connection between, you know, all living things and the cosmos and the interconnectedness of that is very, very common. And that definitely happens with, with Iboga as well. But the Iboga like, always brings it back home to us, you know, what's, what's going on with us. But yeah, no, definitely, you know, two of the most potent plant teachers. Yeah, it really seems like there's a practical thing there happening. Like you mentioned the space a couple of times or that it provides that um, pause maybe so that, you, you know, it's easier not to attach to your negative feelings or emotions. I mean, that's so critical with, mm-hmm. uh, with you know, trauma-based emotions and stuff like that. So what's, what's, why Costa Rica? Why, why, is, why is Costa Rica such a, a popular place for these types of things? Yeah, it's certainly, certainly grown over the last 10 years. Um, I mean, how we all got to Costa Rica was because our, that the Buidi shaman I had mentioned was down here. And so we all kind of, you know, he, he went back to Gabon and a lot of us stuck around here. So that's, that's one reason. And yeah, Co- Costa Rica has just been really inviting for retreats and, and healing. And, um, you know, certainly gets a decent amount of tax dollars from from that and so um you know iboga ayahuasca like all the plant medicines um they're they're not illegal um but they're you know unregulated and so you have to approach it from a psycho-spiritual standpoint where you're not making claims that you know you're gonna heal certain things and so you know you gotta gotta approach it um that way yeah. Do you, do you see a, a friend of ours just went through a ceremony where um, I think it was in, it was in Mexico actually. And it was an Iboga ceremony with a mushroom ceremony in between. And then a second Iboga ceremony. And hmm. I think they're trying to bring it to Canada. Um, he might even be learning how to, to do what you're doing in Canada. Is there, is there like, do you, have you heard of any, um, movement towards us and Canada for, for this type of thing? Um, yeah, at one point Canada was farther along. We have a friend, uh, Mark from Canada who's an Iboga provider. And yeah, at some point there was quite a bit of interest, you know, he, um, managed to make some contacts within health Canada. I think even a few, uh, of the doctors or people associated with them ended up having some iboga to, you know, understand it. And, um, and he, he used to do a lot of detox work. And when you get into people like just on huge amounts of fentanyl and things like that, like it can get pretty hairy trying to detox those people from that. And um, eventually I think a couple people 
ended up dying from various clinics that were operating in Canada and kind of, they kind of turned their back on the whole thing at, at some point, but it's coming for sure. The U S to, you know, Canada to the West, um, you know, there, you guys actually have, there's um, a company called Universal Ibogaine on the Toronto Stock Exchange up there. And so I think they're doing quite a bit of, uh, um, what do you, what do you call it? Uh, like uh, legislation type stuff or? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Like working, working with politicians, trying to get, trying to get things moving there. But yeah, eventually once the efficacy comes out and, and, you know, you can't lie with the numbers. There's nothing that comes close um, to Iboga as far as addictions are concerned, and especially opiates. And um, yeah, I think eventually the data is going to get there. You know, um, we'll probably have some pretty stringent requirements uh, for how the, the therapy is given. But um, yeah, I think if I had to guess, I'd say within within you know five years. Any, any thoughts about doing? Well, actually, I want to. I'll ask you that later. I want to ask you more about this. Um, yeah, BC, our province here, has legalized cocaine. I guess there's a couple weed shops that are now making their own cocaine and selling them. So, I mean, you'd think they'd be open to to ibogaine, but what, what's or sorry, iboga? What's the difference between ibogaine and iboga then? Yeah, yeah. Just real quick, that's really interesting. So, BC legalized cocaine, huh? Yeah, well, actually, I shouldn't. I don't. I don't want to speak out of. Uh, it's like not just cocaine, like everything. Man. But I don't know if it's legalized. They might have like decriminalized it, but they're allowing people to make it themselves in these shops. So amazing, right, Darren? Yeah. I think. Yeah, you can. I think cocaine for sure. I'll take a look right now. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's taking quite a step, you know, from mushrooms, from weed, and mushrooms because mushrooms was just recently. In the headlines, I think there was a there's a couple mushroom shops in Vancouver now, and now mm -hmm. and now the hard drugs. I mean, very interesting. Okay, here we go. We have in a move to reduce the stigma of addiction, British Columbia is decriminalizing the possession of small quantities of illicit drugs, including cocaine, methamphetamine, ecstasy, and opioids like heroin, fentanyl, and morphine. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Neck at a Starbucks. Yeah, so I wonder. I wonder if, uh, yeah, Iboga might fall under that that same uh, decriminalization out there. And, and if it was, that would be that would be a that good, would open it up quite a bit, right? Yep, yep, yep. And there used to, yeah, our friend Mark used to be up in BC. Have another friend that was uh, in the area too, not working with addiction, but working um, like some of the psycho spiritual clients, and so. Um, yeah, the, definitely. There's definitely a good history of Iboga in Canada. There is quite a, it was, it was kind of a hot spot probably eight years ago, nine years ago or so for, yeah. for Iboga. Huh. It's, it really seems like it's, it should be more prominent considering, I mean, I don't know the stats or anything like that, but opiate addiction seems to be the one that's really getting worse and worse and rising. I mean, I don't know the difference between alcoholism and all the other you know, addictions, but it seems to me like it's getting worse with the fentanyl and the, and the, uh, the prescription stuff and the heroin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just mangling lives up. Yeah. And what happens with those guys is, you know, the, 
even if they detox, say they go to a traditional rehab clinic, you know, and say they get 28 days or something like that clean, like for a lot of them, that's just not enough time for them to fully come back and like feel like themselves. So even months afterwards, just the brain is still trying to get get back to baseline. You know, the serotonin's not pumping properly, the adrenals, the dopamine. And so the iboga, um, yeah, brings all that back up to baseline and and makes them feel like like themselves again. And and so um, yeah, it just takes a long a long time without it. And what's the difference between iboga and ibogaine? So, you know, there, there, there's more, but there's, I think, 13 identified Iboga alkaloids within the plant with Ibogaine being one of them. And I'm not sure who, I'm trying to think of who originally extracted that from the plant, but that came, that came you know, there was a guy, Howard Lotsoff, that um, eventually tried Ibogaine, one of his... Uh, chemist friends had given him a bit and um, he ended up pat- patenting it, I think in the seventies or maybe the eighties and patenting Ibogaine and, and lobbying the government to try and give people access to that. And so that kind of, you know, th- it definitely had the most attention. So, you know, even um, those say, you know, Ibogaine alleviates the physical withdrawals and withdrawal of opiates you know, the other alkaloids, or at least some of them do as well. But that one was popularized. And um, yeah, you know, for, for actual opiate detox, it's probably better than Iboga itself. It seems to go through the body quicker. People come back quicker, whereas Iboga is kind of, um, you know, the length of time that you're under under the medicine seems to be longer. And um and then, yeah, people, you know, the clinics are run by doctors for the most part. And so they want to be able to dose exactly, you know, so many milligrams of Ibogaine per kilogram of body weight, um, which, you know, makes makes sense. But on, on our side, you know, we know that uh, somebody's weight doesn't have anything to do with how, how high their tolerance is for Iboga. And so what happens there at the clinics is a lot of them just get way overdosed. Some of them get underdosed. Some of them get dosed properly, but they, you know, yeah, it's, it's just not the, not the way to do that. And that, and the reason they do that is because a lot of them have never taken it before themselves. They don't know the effects or, you know, how people feel, uh, within it. And so, um, yeah, having, having, you know, even at an Ibogaine clinic, having people that actually work with it in some way and have taken it is, is an important part, but, um, yeah. And then a lot of the kind of psychedelic medicine companies out there are trying to develop ways of, uh, using, using Ibogaine, like say without the, um, without the, like hallucinogenic part of, of the process or some of them I'm sure are trying to develop something where, um, you know, it's just easier on, on the body or the heart as people go through it. And so, yeah, there's a lot of hands on deck. There's, there's a handful of, uh, you know, companies in the startup space or even a couple that are, that are publicly traded that are, um, you know, putting a lot of, uh, 
putting a lot of resources into to finding some form of ibogaine that you know the FDA will will approve of. Yeah. So, what was I going to ask you next um, about the mushroom ceremony? What's your thought about the mushroom ceremony between two ibogaine iboga, iboga ceremonies? Um, I wouldn't personally do that, you know, uh, from my perspective anyways, like Iboga has everything you, you need in it. Like everything that we need to need to learn about ourselves and learn how to give a, how to live a good life is in there. So it's an interesting approach and it's probably, you know, helpful for a lot of people. I, I wouldn't do that though. Um, you know, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm just not, uh, don't fully understand why that would be needed. Do you know how long of, of a, say, a retreat or a process that is whenever they do that? Uh, I think it was about a week, I think. A week? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's a lot of, a lot of action within the week. <laughs> <laughs> At least if you're, you know, if you're, you're dosing people, you know, and really getting them there with Iboga, like for, you know, quite a few people, it can take 36, kind of 48 hours to fully come back for, from it. And so, you know, the mushrooms is quite a, quite a bit shorter, but yeah, that's a, that's, that's a lot. I think it helped him accept uh, the iboga or, or actually just get back into it or, or, you know, I, it, it sounded to be beneficial for him anyways, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. For your friend. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. So what, maybe we could talk now about, about your eight day, you know, your process and your, the eight day thing and the way you guys do it down there. And, yeah. and include, included in that, do you need to do any kind of pre, you know, pre fasting or pre um, abstinence from substances or anything like that? Yeah, we, we do. So yeah, we don't do like the a actual like active opiate detox work here. So we have people, um, either get clean beforehand or we recommend um, an Ibogaine clinic where they do good work and for people to go there. But um, yeah, so people have to be clean. You know, there's definitely some screening for, you know, SSRIs and other medications that might have interactions with Iboga. And, oh, and wow. so, you know, Iboga seems to potentiate most things. And so, yeah, definitely looking at the medication, their physical health. You know, with that said, we do get, you know, a lot of older people that come through, like, you know, uh, and for a lot of people coming here, this is kind of their first big plant medicine or a psychedelic experience, probably 30% of, of people that, that come. And so, yeah, just making sure they're fit and it's going to be safe for them. And, you know, for psycho-spiritual work, um, you know, it, it's very safe where, where things can kind of get more dangerous is during a detox process like that. Um, you know, that's a, a very different deal. So for the listeners out there that may go and look up Iboga or Ibogaine afterwards, and they read about there's been some deaths and there has been, you know, maybe 35 or so over the last 15 years or so. Um, there, there has been, but I've never heard of anybody having like in any sort of real medical emergency going through a psycho-spiritual experience. And so that's what we, we do here. And so, yeah, we just encourage people to eat healthy beforehand, not fast. Actually, I had to tell a guy that's coming um, to our next retreat, he was fasting and, and you know, 
know, we, we put it in like an arrival and preparation info, but I said, you, you definitely want to be nourished going into something like this because it's going to, it's going to take everything out of you. And so, um, yeah, we it, speak with the people, you know, um, make sure they're ready. Like that's the whole key to this process is people really wanting uh, change in their life, you know, so you can't like just send your husband or wife or your kid and say, Hey, go do this and get better. Like people <laughs> have to want it. And, and so making sure they have that part of it, because if they, if they have that part, then the odds are very good that they're going to get a, a lot out of it. So yeah, making sure they're ready in that way. Um, you know, we have people just very simply think about like things that need to change in their life. So really three to five foundational things that they would like, like to shift through the experience. And then, you know, eventually they, they show up, we go through a pretty uh, in-depth orientation on just how to approach the whole experience, like how you're going to feel, what's going to be happening. Like, you know, if this comes up, do this, if this comes up, do that. And, you know, what, what separates us from some of the other uh, places that may do, you know, some sort of Iboga treatment is, like I mentioned, we follow a path called Bwiti that this Bwiti shaman introduced us to. And a Bwiti is somebody that uses Iboga to study life, to learn about themselves and what they, what they want in life. And so the wisdom, yeah, it's un, uncanny, you know, if you've never had Iboga, but the wisdom that comes through this medicine is just, you know, timeless. And so, you know, going back to probably, you know, in the scientific community, a lot of people agree that the earliest uh, humans uh, possibly came from uh, Gabon, the Congo, Cameroon, like that part of Africa. And so it's been used there for, you know, hundreds or thousands of years. And, and so through that time, what they found is as they took Iboga, a lot of the same messages kept coming through time and time again on what it means to be a human. And so this whole tradition was developed and it's essentially a set of life lessons to go to whenever things come up in life. And so anything to do with the things we tell ourselves, relationships, what do we do with emotions or negativity. And so there's a lesson within the Bwiti that, that kind of covers all those aspects of life. And so a big part of being here is like sharing that with people so they can take it in, hear it. But then what happens is they, they have to go through the experience themselves to really know it. So we know in the Bwiti, the only way to truly know something is to experience it. And so it's one thing to hear it from me or, or the, our team here. And it's another thing to actually go in and, and find those truths for yourself. And so they, you know, there's just very grounded, simple information that people can take with them and, and continue to grow afterwards. And so we're kind of sharing that with people um, throughout the, the week. And um yeah, so people come here. We do ceremony on nights two and five. And um, yes, yeah, so those typically, 
you know, we, we go all night, but it's typically at least a 24 hour process, 36 hour process. And then, you know, we go on nature outings, get to the beach or the hot springs or something like that. Um, we also do a spiritual shower ceremony, which doesn't involve Iboga, but it's a traditional bleedy cleansing that happens in the river, which, um, you know, for a lot of people, they, when they come in, not really looking forward to that, or they're kind of like, whatever, but it really is a, a very powerful process just to, to leave some things behind. And so we, we do that. Yeah. We have a really, uh, great chef here like a really world world-class costa rican woman that's our that's our chef here so all you know very healthy local foods and um yeah and a lot of fun happens too like a lot of deep emotions happen but as people come out of it there's also just a lot of a lot of laughter and and any boga can be pretty humorous as well um when you're in it so sometimes somebody's laying there and starts laughing and then you know the next person starts laughing and so it can definitely uh go around like that similar to like mushrooms are super funny as well yeah <laughs> and can you get into that spiritual shower a bit more um yeah so um there's there's a couple main plants uh that they use for that and so it's the same plant that grows in, in West Africa. It grows naturally here in Costa Rica. It's a type of, of cane. So the, these leaves from the cane are kind of the main ingredient. And then there's other things we put into the bundles, other plants, like a, we use star anise uh, for part of it and a couple other plants that I don't know the name of them, but can identify them. And, um, and so, you know, people going into that spiritual shower, whatever they wear into that spiritual shower will be left behind. And so whatever clothes they're going to wear in, you know, are, are left behind afterwards. But we um, get to the river. Um, there's a process for uh, introducing yourself to this, this river and how we do that in, in the weedy because, you know, it, works outside of Iboga as well. But if we want to introduce ourselves to something in nature within the Bwiti, we do that by saying um, our full name at birth, our mother's full name at birth, and our father's full name at birth and make an introduction that way. And with that, with that information, whatever is out there within nature um, knows where we come from, you know, all the way back to the beginning of our lineage and, you know, that, um, you know, a lot of people come because things get passed down from generation to generation. And Iboga is a very powerful tool for, you know, nipping that in the bud. Like if we have people that come through for, you know, some sort of sexual abuse, like if it's from someone in their family, like that's typically almost always gone back, you know, a few generations, somehow it got into that. And so, you know, but one thing's for sure, you know, if, even if our ancestors did, you know, ugly things or, or bad things, if it wasn't for our ancestors, we wouldn't be here. You know, so if our great, great, great grandma wasn't born, we very well, very well may not have been given the gift of life and the opportunity to be here and live. And so in the Bwini, we talk about, you know, life being the biggest thing that can ever happen. Like that's that trumps everything because without our life, we're not really sure what's going on because when we 
come into this world. We're given a mind, body, and soul and our senses to make sense of it. And we can't die or go on the other side, use our senses or, you know, experience that fully. And so, you know, going all the way back to the beginning, like everything that happened throughout our lineage had to happen in order for us to be given, given life. And so, you know, so we make that introduction. So the thing in nature knows where we come from, um, get them in the river. And there's essentially a part where people ask for things that they want to remove and leave behind in their life. And then another part for calling in the things that they want to bring into their life, the good things that they want to happen in their life and go through that process and, um, you would go through the senses on the person with that bundle of leaves and eventually start getting them wet and um, getting water on them and essentially scrubbing them down with this, with this bundle and eventually um, uh, rinsing them with it. And then, so they get done, go and change their clothes and then they have to walk away from the area so that, you know, stick, uh, signifies you know just leaving leaving it behind and not looking back from there and um so yeah it usually takes like 15 minutes per per person and for a lot of people it's definitely a shifting point in in the week you know and 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 that process works without even having iboga like it's very powerful just just on its own but it's kind of one of those things you kind of have to be there i've had it done to really you know really experience it and, and and know what it is but yeah it's 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 powerful that sounds cool what's the Bweedy's opinion on uh after life after death and reincarnation and stuff like that yes yeah, so at least in in our Bweedy, so we um so what, one of the big lessons or ways of viewing life through the Bwiti is there's things that come from, you know, God or the creator or an inner, you know, energetic world, things that are, that are biggest, bigger than us, the things that create life. Um, and then there's things that come from humans. So things that come from men. And so like in our Bwiti, um, it's not necessarily a religion. It's more of just a spiritual path. So we don't try and like define what the creator is or how they look or, you know, what's going on and kind of accept that that's, it's just so much bigger than us that it's not for us to know everything. And so, um, so with the, with the afterlife, like I was saying, so, you know, they're like say with people that have had like near death experiences in their life, like the people do kind of describe some of the same things with white light and, you know, coming, coming to the, the opening of it or whatever. But the thing is none of them like fully died all the way and, and came and came back from it. You know, they, they, they had, you know, a near, near death experience. And so in the Bwini, we want to be able to verify things with our senses. Like that's how we make sense of the world. And we, and we talk about say, verif- if we can verify something with at least three of our six senses. And when I say six senses, so we have our f- five physical senses and then our, our, our third eye or our intuition. Um, if we can verify something with at least three of those we can be like 110% true, uh, sure that it's real and it's true. 
And with death and like the other side of that, like we just can't experience that right now, um, you know. And so eventually we will. Eventually we'll, you know, we'll leave our physical bodies and, and be able to, to experience that. And so, but one thing I know through working with this medicine and Iboga and the tradition, like part of it is connecting with ancestors, people on the other side, like we definitely know they're there. Something, something's happening, but, you know, to kind of fully explain it, it's just uh, beyond what, what we can experience. But I do suspect that, you know, the soul keeps traveling and keeps, keeps going, you know, keeps move, moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Karen, do you got any questions at all? What's the process for making a iboga? Like, is there like, I know it's, you know, because with ayahuasca, it's kind of tricky. I mean, mushrooms are easy. You just pick them up and eat the shit. Yeah. <laughs> but ayahuasca, you know, you got to get the myoinhibitors going and stuff like that. What about ibogaine? How do you make it? What's it made out of? And where did it come from? Yeah, so ibogaine, I'm not exactly sure how they make it, but somehow they end up separating the alkaloids and uh, yeah, extracting the ibogaine from there. But, you know, for us, we work with um, straight root bark. So, um, yeah, you could essentially uh, uproot a plant, shave off the, the bark that's on the roots of the plant, dry it out, grind it up into some sort of powder and eat it that way. So you can do it just like right, right from the plant. And then we also make total alkaloid extract here organically. And so um, that's a process of getting it in some sort of acetic acid and soaking it and stirring it and eventually collecting like um, uh, what, like straining the root bark out and sa saving the juice. And you save that juice and we put it in a dehydrator and eventually it turns into a goo and then a powder and we put put that in capsules so it has the ibogaine it has all the alkaloids of the plant in itself but just in a concentrated version so it's a bit more a bit more potent but you could absolutely yeah, just take a you know cut a root off the plant and like chew around the outside and uh that would that would work hmm. cool darren do you got any nails no i mean i know maybe one day i don't know I don't know yeah. if, I'd, if I'd go there or not. I mean, I don't know if it's something I'm interested in doing. I feel like I've done enough introspecting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, everybody doesn't need to come down here. You know, you, people people are definitely called. Usually, it's when people, you know, there's something getting at them that they just haven't been able to shake for a long time, and you know, this is kind of the 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 last shot or one of the main shots to to make that happen and so yeah yeah it's definitely not not for everybody but there is even even without a lot of trauma like a, a decent chunk of the people that come through you know aren't coming because of this one specific thing that happened or whatever you know happened in their life they're coming just kind of feeling like you know they want some some guidance on the next stage in their life where they go from here like how to live a good a good life like that's what it's about we're you know given the gift of life to be here and experience it and you know want to make definitely want to make the most of it 
Sounds like that Bweedy, Bweedy uh, thing about the gift of life is a very gratitudious or how do you say that? Like a gratitude practice in a way. Sure. It seems like it seems like their their view is grounded in, in gratefulness for life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And our Bweedy, we talk about there being one prayer and that's each day when we wake up in the morning, just giving thanks for another day of life and, and yeah. being here. Yeah, it definitely sets the tone for the day. If you can be grateful, you know, right at the beginning of your day. Um, yeah, it sets everything else in motion. So your so your program is eight days. How many people usually go through it at once? Uh, six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So Any it's not freak too out? Huge. Any what? Freak out? Have you had anything? Yeah. Like, Whoa, we- this is fucking getting out of hand. Yeah, we've had one legitimate one before, a, w- a woman that came down probably four and a half years ago or so. And um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, tough to say, but I don't know. She was being honest about, about herself, where she was at. And yeah, she we ended up having to take care of her for about five, six days. But thankfully, that's really been the 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 only... One, sometimes people can get a little weird, but thankfully with Iboga, they'll listen to you for the most part and, and you know, just takes a bit of time for it to work work through them. Um, but yeah, usually, you know, that's a that's a big difference with like ayahuasca and Iboga too. Like sometimes with, with ayahuasca ceremonies, like some people start getting naked or they, you know, they start going, going after you, wanting to hit you or something like that. Whereas with Iboga, that doesn't uh, happen. Like everybody's just pretty well laid out and doesn't want to move too much and, and really still within, you know, still within re- reality. So people don't go so far where they lose touch with who they are or where they're at. They always know, you know, what's what's happening. They, a lot of deep things could be happening, but it's, uh, you know, they're still here. Still a physical awareness there. So what what's what do you suggest that people do after after the program? Is there an aftercare suggestions or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Pretty pretty simple stuff. So one one of the things we do is we have our own integration calls each uh, month for anybody that's ever come here, and so we do those each month um, and keep people connected with the medicine that way, and just you know sharing with other people that have had the experience, and then. Um, you know, we we recommend like so we during the ceremonies, we play Bweedy uh, music during the ceremony, which is very eccentric music. You know, there there's like an eight string harp that's kind of one of the main instruments. And then there's um, a thing that kind of looks like a bow from a bow and arrow that came from a pygmy hunter that you um, that they, they have a little stick and, and play on the uh, uh hit hit this stick and make a, a really interesting sound. I actually play play that a bit as well. And but yeah, just going back like after this experience is so deep, like even just hearing the music kind of takes you back into that space of, of when people were here. So doing a bit of that, you know, encourage people to go out, just say if they're can find us, you know, a safe place, of course, going out and just spending 24 hours by themselves in, in nature can be very powerful. Um, you know, definitely if, if they want more intense coaching, we work with a handful of coaches that people can work with and uh, 
that that's certainly productive but usually the iboga gives you a pretty clear plan on like what needs to happen from there and it can break them down into really simple uh, simple steps like here's the most important one I need to go, you know, do this or practice this to get this one and then the next one. So people usually have have uh, a lot of guidance like on what they're going to do post retreat and what what they need to do. Awesome. Great. Well, I mean, I I would love to come to Costa Rica. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's be- beautiful. This is a good good time of year coming up here too like June july august yeah if you guys do ever make it down here man yeah come come by i appreciate you uh definitely having me here and being able to share about is it pretty small is it like could if we could you come down there and like rent a car and like if you have a few buddies down there see everyone in a few in a week sort of thing or yeah you know if you go if you go from like from the north all the way to the south that's probably like a 10 10 hour 11 hour drive but yeah no you can definitely make up a you could see a lot of spots in a week for sure and and there's many many beautiful spots just um yeah the nature here is pretty amazing seems pretty affordable once you get there too yeah it's not bad you know costa rica is like the most expensive central american country but yeah if you um yeah, if you don't want to spend a lot of money, it can definitely be done. Like down here by where I live, they have like the largest uh, farmer's market in Costa Rica every week. And so, yeah, buying like direct from, you know, the producers there. And um, yeah, yeah. So, no, you can you can make it happen where you don't have to break the bank for sure. Right yeah, it's on. interesting. I'm just looking at the map and like Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, like those are all you have to go through them to get from South to North America. Like you have to. Oh, wait, is Costa Rica not an island? No, it's I'm it's right between Panama and Nicaragua there. So you got to mm-hmm. like if you're traveling from South to you North, you have to go canal? through all the, all those countries and over the canal. The, uh, I don't north know. North to South of Panama. Yeah, it's north yeah. of Panama. Yeah. Oh, so you wouldn't have to go over the canal. Yeah. All right. Well, we could drive there. Fast. Yeah, we'll drive. That'll be a good road trip. Huh? You can drive. Down. Eventually, you get to a spot in Panama where you, like, they don't have roads anymore. So, like, the south <laughs> part of P- Panama going into, like, northern Colombia, I believe. Like, yeah, there's a pretty big forest in there. And um, Oh, can you not get through on cars? Can you not drive through? Not, not from... Yeah, not no, from uh, Panama to Colombia. Yep, yep. You you would have to um, oh, yeah, wow. ferry, ferry ferry the car down or something. Oh wow, that's crazy. I thought yep. you, I thought you'd be able to. The land is there, but yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like I could drive there. That's well. Yeah. I'm- so did we here though? Did we leave? Uh, did we get everything t- covered? I think so, man. I think so. No, I definitely appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, yeah, give your, your viewers some wisdom about, about Iboga. Like, you can definitely touch some people that, you know, may need it to kind of have the breakthrough they need to yeah. continue on in life. So, yeah, no, definitely, definitely appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, good, good yeah, job. Thanks. Hearing yeah. It. yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, I'll keep in touch. And, yeah. Levi, 
make sure you give us your URLs because lots of people don't bother to check the show notes, even though Graham does such a great job. So it's always good to just bark them out here so people that are driving or whatever can can check it out. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I did see those show notes, man. They're pretty. They're pretty in depth. Nice work. So our website is Iboga Wellness. So I B O G A wellness.com and um yeah people can contact me through there if they want to want to get in touch and um yeah hopefully uh we'll definitely post uh this podcast on our site too once you guys publish it and uh yeah thank you awesome thanks a lot levy levi yeah take care guys no, very much appreciate it yeah be uh, be well and best wishes to you okay thanks buddy Ciao for thank, now. You. thank you and that was a chat with uh, Levi in Costa Rica. Levi. What did you say? Yeah, that was good. That was fun. Why do yeah, I keep I, thinking Costa Rica is an island? Fuck, that's like the Yeah, third. well, you know why? You know what it is? I know exactly what it is. It's you're thinking of uh, the other one that's on the side Puerto of the Rico. Dominican. The, the Dominican. Dominican's on the I think I'm thinking of Puerto Rico. You think so? Is that what it is? Aren't you're getting that like, in Costa Rica mixed up? Aren't they both like uh, quasi-states? Not Costa Rica, though. No. Puerto Rico is, but I, um, I don't really know what it is. But it's it's. I know what you're saying. That's that's Puerto Rico. Yeah, Costa Rica's not. But I always get the Dominican Republic and Costa Rica mixed up for some reason. Interesting. Well, there you have it. Yeah, we could still drive down from. You'd have to go. You know, it's quite a ways past Mexico City there, but. I wonder, you'd probably want to, like, uh, I wonder if you'd want to take an older vehicle. <laughs> That's be, what I pictured, too. You might be weird driving through some of those countries in a brand new car. You might, like, just, you want to call attention to yourself. Yeah, we might be saying something crazy by even saying, suggesting that, but. Just you're, like, driving something old and what? You think we're being racist? No, no, not at all. No, no, just like that, that nobody would ever drive all the way down there. Oh, no, that's probably crazy. I do have a couple of buddies, so not, well, not really buddies. I don't, I don't even know if I know the chick or not. I might, but I definitely like used to, used to chum around with the dude. His name was Clayton. Um, but they went right from Vancouver all the way down to like, all the way down the fucking Pacific coast. All I remember they're like, posting pictures on their social media where they were like taking showers in some fucking country down in South America or Central America where it's like, uh, where it shocks the water above your head to get hot. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's it seems a little sketchy. It's probably like it takes you a minute to get used to that. But I know some people who did it. So maybe you can drive all the way if you go down the coast. Yeah, maybe. There's some countries there I might not want to drive through, though. I mean, you know, maybe whatever, call me whatever you want. But but it does look like that road goes from, like, Puerto Vallarta, like, below that, all the way. It looks like it goes pretty coastal, all the way past Acapulco and then all the way down to Guatemala, basically. Because you can't bring your peace through Mexico, so you're gunless. Oh, my God. I can't believe you'd even bring that up. I would so even just consider bringing anything. Well, I mean, dude, let's be honest. You're not going to last long in the wild. <laughs> There's a lot of wild down there. You're very much 
Homo sapiens domesticus. <laughs> anyway, get through with good intentions and magic. Oh, no, you, <laughs> you sure can. Didn't you? Uh, I mean, you didn't read Game of Thrones, but you watched it. You know that, like, that's what it turns into real quick. No, right? I read. I read most of it. Tell a lot of jokes. You better. Like, I read most of it. I, I think I got stuck in the middle of the fourth book or something. Work on your routine. Yeah. So you can keep at least uh, the people who are running the place laughing. But I guess just say things like how can be. And uh, we won't be able to stop cracking up. Big thanks to Levi for coming to the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks, guys, if you're one of the few who choose to support our work over here at America.ca slash support. We cannot do it without you. We will not do it without you. America.ca slash support today. If you are getting some value from our show, we've got almost 600 episodes. We're coming up on 600 fast. I don't know if it's not really a special number, but we're almost there. And uh, you should support us. Go to America.ca slash support. We give all that shit for free. The whole back catalog, everything, in the hopes that if you do like it, you are getting some value from it. You support us. And with inflation and everything else, all that shit is down. So we need new people that are in a position to throw a few bucks our way. Head over to grabamerica.ca slash support today and do so. While you're there, head to adultbrain.ca. Get yourself some audiobooks. Contact at the cabin.com. We have a fantastic trip. Trips coming up. This should come out before we go to Utah with Dave Matheson and Brandon Powell. And then we got the, the scab lines is selling out fucking fast. And uh, so is the Montana one. So sign up for all that stuff, guys. Other than that, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. I'm walking gingerly through the rat race. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. Kicking around down by the pool of narcissists. The people are many, they preen themselves. Oh, how they navel gaze. Somewhere over that hill, the gloomy skies cease to exist. I'm climbing that hill, I pass by and pity the poor Sisyphus. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. I'm strolling down a static electric avenue. The people are predictable, they say, good morning, how do you do? When out of nowhere, a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me And in doing so, knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me And it's black as tar, ugly as ever, and of no apology This angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology Together we're a seraphim dream, forever young with no chronology thousand years from now will be written into ancient mythology we go into hyperdrive turn into a beam of light can you tell me about the view up there it's sparkling remarkably the air is crystal clear well please won't you tell me what it takes to transcend this place a little bit of heart and a whole lot of soul Take a look at the big old smile on my face As my angel says dance with me and your life will never ever ever be told 
I go into hyperdrive Turn into a beam of light 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 Turn into a beam of light. <laughs>